podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome back to the Luke Live Lounge on the Villa View, proudly sponsored by Luke 1977. Dolan and myself, Dan Bardell, here as always. And as you can see, tonight we've been joined by a very special guest. It's Villa's record goalscorer, Gabby Abbon Lahore. I mean, Gabby, thanks ever so much for joining us. I'm trying to remember the last time I turned on my TV or my radio and, and you weren't there. So it's great to see you on the Villa View, mate. Yeah, good to, good to be here. Nice to see you guys as well. How is all your, all your media stuff going? Yeah, you know, I'm um, I'm enjoying it. It's been about just over a year now I've been doing it and learning every time I go on the radio or go on TV and trying to get better. But just nice to have them Aston Villa's back out there as well. There's not much pundits out there that have got Aston Villa's back. They're all against us. So it's nice to have a bit of a war with the rest of the pundits for Aston Villa. The rest of social media as well. You're always having, having having a fight with someone on social media. Dolan, good to see you as well, mate. How good is it for us to get Gabby on? Good. Hopefully um, Danny Mills is watching, if he's tuning in or not. Um, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> if you're, I'm sure we'll see. That's no, good. It's great. I mean, absolute legend. It's just a bit, bit surreal having him on there, you know. Um, you know, how many times did we see him uh, score in front of the whole end? And, um, yeah, even the game, I remember being at Fulham away. We won 2-0. I think, Gabby, you got a brace towards the end of the first half course i was queuing for a few bears and missed both goals so um yeah that's a that's about sums it up for me but no absolute pleasure man and say thank you so much for for coming on yeah no problem did you always want to did you always think like when you finish you go into media i know obviously you're doing your coaching badges as well did you did media just something that suddenly come up you know what nothing honestly when i was playing i thought to myself i'd retire i'd go on holiday for the rest of my life I think that was my view, honestly, of playing football at the time was like try and save, save, save so that when you finish, you can go travel the world, be on holiday, just enjoy life. But after a year of doing that, you, you start to think to yourself, like, you can't go on like this. You need something to keep you going, something to get up for, a schedule. And that's why I really got into, into the punditry. Um, a few of my mates said, just give it a go because my first thought was, the accent is the Brummie accent, the right accent for TV or radio. So I was a bit weary of going on. But then I first done it in um, the Villa versus Man City game at the Etihad last season. It was my first time of doing it for um, Astro TV. Yeah. And I loved it. Just having your opinion. I got to interview Dean Smith, interview Kevin De Bruyne after the game. And I thought, you know what? It's not so bad, is it? You know, getting to pay to talk about football is um so the next dream job, isn't it, after being a footballer? Sure, yeah. I mean, I'm in absolute worlds of trouble if the Birmingham accent isn't isn't liked on TV. I'm going to be in, in massive danger. So it'd have been great to have you on after a win at the weekend, Gabby, but it wasn't to be. Actually played. I thought we played quite well, considering it was off the back of an international break. But unfortunately, we lost to Brighton at home. What did you make of the game? We, we suddenly looked a little bit sloppy at times, didn't we? Yeah, but when I watched the game, I feel like teams... We'll be like watching Villa a lot during the week before they play them. Teams aren't going to come to Villa Park now and give Grealish time to turn on the ball. Do you know, like from the first whistle, there was always two players around him. There was always a game plan there from Brighton to frustrate Jack and not give him the space. The days of teams coming to Villa Park now and be thinking, you know what, we're going to batter Villa and everyone's going to attack them are over. 
Teams yeah. are falling apart now. Let's frustrate Aston Villa, not giving them any space in behind to counter-attack. Let's all, um, basically, let's try and stop Jack. And and that's what they, they I thought that they did um, in the Brighton game. They had sometimes more than three players were around him. And, it, and he, 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 I feel like as well, Barkley coming off in the game sort of didn't help mm. because Jack <laughs> coming to the middle... Triore was on the right, wasn't he? Um, yeah. Gay went to the left. Jack wasn't in his normal position that he was playing in. So I think we seemed a bit um, less balanced for me in the game. I would have preferred Horahan to come on instead of Triore yeah. because before Barkley come, um, Horahan was one of our best players. So for me, it was a natural to come on for Barkley, play as a number eight with McGinn, keep Jack on the left, Trezeguet on the right, and he keeps the balance. So for me... It was a tough game, but I feel like on their day, Brighton can cause a lot of teams problems. Yeah, they've got some good players, haven't they? Obviously, Tyreek Lamptey at right wing backs absolutely sensational. I know, I know, he got sent off, but he had a really good game. Just, just on Jack and, and that move into the middle, Gabby. It kind of we went away from all the good things that he's been doing, all the dangerous areas he's been picking, picking up the ball and causing teams trouble. He, he got kind of caught not in no man's land because obviously he's still always going to affect a game, but he just wasn't picking the ball up in ineffective places, picking the ball up with his back to goal and things like that. And that's not really where you want him, is it? No, I think we've been a bit spoiled as well watching him on the left now, where he's picking up the ball and he's he's taking anyone on and getting past them, and he's creating space for other players. But I feel like this game against Brighton. Brighton were very clever. Let's not be fooled. They played, I think it was Basuma. He didn't give Jack a yard. And their tactics were, let's stop Jack at all costs because we'd rather the ball go to a Trezeguet. We'd rather the ball go to um, another player than Jack, the danger man. And that's what they would have been working on all week. When you're playing against teams with a star player like Jack, your whole um, lead-up to the game is watching videos of him, what he likes to do, and I feel like Brighton um, done a good job of it. And if you look at where Jack gets his joy in a lot of games is when teams probably get a bit too ahead of themselves themselves and go one for one with him because he destroys teams. When he starts 3v1, it's hard for anyone. And then it's where, for me, other players have got to step up. This was a game where the likes of Trezeguet um, have got to step up. You know Jack's got two or three players around him. There's other players on the pitch that are going to be one-on-one or maybe even free to do their stuff. Yeah, and I guess the, the other thing as well, it would be, Gabby, that Barkley going off, he's he's there now. If, if Jack is double-marked, triple-marked, Barkley's the one to, to pick up the pick up the space and take advantage of it, and, and he wasn't there. Yeah, that's the thing. Barkley can do similar things to what Jack can do. He can get the ball, he can dribble with it, he can take people on, he can score with both feet, he can run with the ball, assist. And I think that was the problem. I think Traore come on. I think he started in the number 10, didn't he? Then drifted yeah. out. Right. But it didn't look like he was up to the speed of the game yet, which is going to happen. He's new to the Premier League. He's um, he's not had a run of games yet. I'm sure we'll see better of him in the future. But for me, it just seemed like the sort of game where get Horahan on. He's got a threat. He can score a goal. He was unlucky to not be playing before Barkley come in. For me, he played yeah. well in Fulham. He scored. And he... he it was unfortunate and um, hard done by not to be playing. So, if we're looking at the next game, I'm sure Horahan with McGinn um, ahead of Louise will be the perfect um, formation and leave Jack on the left-hand side to cause his damage. 
Yeah, because Dolan kind of kind of will be chomping at the bit to play. That guy absolutely hates not being in the team. <clears throat> He'll be annoyed that he's gone five games before that without even getting a minute off the back of the Fulham game. You see someone you'd be looking to bring back in against uh, West Ham on Monday. Yeah, I was stunned. I was stunned that Dean Smith didn't bring him on. I think, sadly, it maybe shows what where Dean Smith maybe rates him. Um, the thing with Connor is he's... He isn't as glamorous as, uh, as say, Trey or, or Barkley or, or Jack. You know, he didn't cost 20 million quid. Um, but as we've seen over the last few years, especially in the Premier League, he, you know, his numbers, his stats speak for itself. And um, I think we really we really miss his set-piece threat. And I think if you look at, at the end of the last season, whenever we were picking up points, a lot of our goals were coming from set-pieces. A lot of our goals were coming from Jack getting the ball, getting taken down, and Connor whipping it in with his left foot. You saw Conzo on the end of it. You saw Mings try to get the back post. Um, I just I just think we missed a trick. I think to bring Trier on, like he hasn't played much. He came off against Hampton, I think it was. Uh, Travelled with Bakuna Fasse. He'd been around the world. Uh, for me, for me, Connor should have come on. It was it was a no brainer. Um, but yeah, it's funny. It'll be interesting to see how we set up against West Ham. Um, it'd be a big game, but um, yeah, no one Connor like we do. He'll be he'll be livid. He'll be absolutely livid. And um, he's got he's got every, every right to be as well. Um, but yeah, I think that game was crying out for him after Bartley came off. Gabby, obviously you you played with Connor for for a few years. He's kind of someone that polarizes the Villa fan base a little bit. I mean, to be fair, most players do when, when you look at social media. But he seems like a real fifty fifty player. But to you, is he's a Premier League player? Hundred percent. And I feel like um, I have spoken to Connor since um, um, he got left out, and you can you can just see by even when you're watching the games on TV, and I've covered a few of the games for different channels. Even when he's walking down the tunnel before the game, you can see the anger in his face, the disappointment, half-time walking into the tunnel. You can see the anger of a player who just wants to be playing football. And I feel like it hurts more when you're playing well and you get dropped by a new signing coming in. When you're a footballer and you get dropped, you want to be dropped because you've had a bad game and you hold your hands up. You've got to do better to get back in the team. When the team lose a game, you might get a chance the next game. But... He's got dropped by having a, a, an amazing start to the season with goals and assists, and he was playing some good football. So I just feel sorry for Connor. I just feel like he deserves that chance against West Ham to come straight into the side because he offers a goal for it. We've seen what his left foot can do. It's a wand. Yes, he's not going to get around and make the runs like Barkley will, but Barkley's not going to have the same effect from set pieces as Connor. The, the same effect from passing, the same effect from scoring. You've seen what Connor can do from long range, from short range. He makes runs into the box. And for me, he's definitely a Premier League player. And um, it's like you say with some players, if he'd come for a massive fee, maybe we would be like more popular with Villa fans. Maybe because he didn't come for a big fee, that's the problem. But for me, he's a great player and um, Villa are lucky to have him. I mean, £2 million as well is probably some of the best money Villa have spent in the, in the last decade. Someone else that didn't cost much money, John McGinn. He looked pretty tired, didn't he, Gabby? Were you surprised even that there wasn't some rotation before the game off the back of the international break? Yeah, but it's hard because, like, I said this on the radio the other day, Martin O'Neill one season played the same 11 for mm. 38 games. If you've got yeah. your best team, you're not going to care that they've been on international break they are a bit tired. You're going to play your best team as a manager. If he looks tired, maybe you'll bring him off after 60 minutes, 65 minutes. But if Dean Smith had not started him, lost the game, we'd all be hammering Dean Smith saying that, why didn't you start McGinn? Do you know what I mean? All yeah, the yeah, can't win. I've been away on international duty. And 
McGinn's a fit lad. He's a young lad, fit. And um, yes, he looked a bit tired. But like I said, Brighton are no mugs. They will, they will get results against a lot of teams. They're well organised in that formation. They don't let um, them no space around the midfield area. And they play two strikers, which our two centre-halves are not used to because most teams play one up front. Yeah, just Dolan, do you think Brighton are in a little bit of a false position? Because I've seen them in a couple of games, games that they ended up losing. I watched the game where they lost to Manu at home and they absolutely battered them, to be fair. I don't know how they lost 3-2. Do you think Brighton will beat a lot of teams and that they are in a bit of a false position? Yeah, I mean, they play good football, but I mean, they, they, up until they, they, they came to develop Park this season, they were they were lacking up top, but I thought I thought their two best players were probably Mopai and, and Welbeck. And again, like our, our last few home games, we've gifted, we've gifted teams goals. And um, again, on, on on Saturday, we were just the, the master of our own downfall. Um, I don't know why Mings and Collins were so high up. I don't know why there was two, two men around whoever it was, it was Mopai flicked on on the Welbeck and he's, he's free and he's away and it was a great finish. Um, the Solimar's goal, again, a great finish, but the ball just travelled across the box and there was no one there. So, listen, I just think it's one of those games. Everyone was knackered. The spine of our team had travelled halfway across the world. Jack had played three games. McGinn had been doing this thing with Scotland. He was probably mentally mentally drained as well. Um, Martinez, uh, Luis, you know, and, and this is this is the problem. You know, whenever you have a team that are successful and players that get called up for the countries, and when you're not blessed with a big squad, uh, as Gabby said, Smith isn't going to not you know not start those players against Brighton. Um, I just think we look tired, um, and I, I, I fancy I, I fancy us to, to bounce back on on Monday night. Did you ever have any times in your career, Gabby, when you were either like playing through the pain barrier, or you were playing when you you were physically knackered, you don't played a lot of games, and you were continually peaked? Did you ever have any experience of that? Yeah, I remember once I was um, I mean I got smashed in a game under Lambert, and my ankle was like so swollen and big but you just want to be out there playing so i'll play with an injury i'll be um strap it up you know icing it before and after training just to be out there and sometimes not training before games and i feel like players are not going to say to the manager that you know what i'm tired i don't want to play this week because they want to play every week they want to score goals they want to assist and sometimes when you're out there you might be like you know what let's get two three nil up and then maybe the gaffer can bring me off yeah. 65 minutes but yeah that wasn't the case obviously against Brighton and I think it's the Premier League in general you're not going to be you're not going to get an easy three points every game is going to be tough and I feel like looking from that game even from the start of it it was a team who's sitting back not letting any spaces around the team for our attacking players to get on the ball and I think it'll be the same against West Ham West Ham are renowned for their everyone behind the ball counter-attacking football so I think Aston Villa have got to try and find out now a way of trying to break these teams down because at Arsenal it was a bit of a counter-attacking football wasn't it and similar to yeah. Liverpool game now they need to maybe try and like work on how to break teams down and maybe players even trying to move positions across the pitch to break teams down because I think it will happen a lot more at Villa Park because other teams will look at Brighton's results and look at Southampton's results and try and do exactly the same to get a result. Yeah, what have you made in what of Watkins in in those kind of games? Because obviously you're talking about the counter-attacking games. They're, they're games that absolutely suit him down to the ground. And he's come away with goals against Liverpool. He's come away with goals against Arsenal. But in those kind of games, not not through his fault, I'm not blaming him at all or knocking him at all, but he's not involved in the game as much as you as you want him to be. What what have you made of, of him in those type of games? 
I think it's been quite tough for him, hasn't it? I did look at the um, the Southampton game. I was lucky enough to be there at Villa Park, and you're looking at like two gigantic centre halves, and I just yeah. felt sorry for him a bit. Of like, he's he's running at them, and he's got no help in and around him. I feel like certain games, like the Brighton and Southampton game, he needs a, even to switch formation and maybe play a two up front. I know we haven't had the option because of injuries, but I'd love to see, for instance, Brighton game. 20 minutes, 30 minutes, all right, we're changing this. Wesley, on you come. Some physical presence around there. You know, like a, a big striker and a small striker we can run into yeah. the iron. Similar to me and John Carew, I feel mm. like some games, Villa are going to need to switch it up where Wesley comes on, gives that physical um, to the to the centre-half, can win the flick-on for Watkins running in behind because you looked at the Brighton game and you had Dunk, Webster, um, Ben White, and you had... Watkins on his own, and I'm not being funny. Aguero couldn't do nothing on his own against three. Nah. Sometimes you need someone in and around you to help you, and that's the problem that Villa have had because Keenan Davis has been injured, um, and um, Wesley's been injured. Once these players come back, I'm sure Dean Smith, even a half time in games, will be like, you know what, we're going to put two up there and give it a go. Yeah, because I guess as well, you could you could move Jack into the middle, Dolan, and, and Watkins could go wide if you had another striking option. But the problem is for Villa, like last season, we ain't got any strikers. Well, it's just no plan B, and there's no strikers. And even even Wesley and, and Keenan Davis, like, they're not prolific. You know, the numbers don't stack up. And, uh, yeah, again, still still pretty stunned that we didn't go in for another striker. Um, you look at Danny Welbeck was a free agent, and, you know, Brighton going for him, and he, he'd be the perfect sort of foil for us to have um, on the bench. You know, Welbeck, even Sturridge, I've, I've said before. Um, we just need, at this at, until Christmas, I just think we need some numbers. And, um, yeah, uh, you know, as, as good a start of the season as we've had, um, I've said it even when we were winning games, I do worry about a lack of plan B, and I think Smith turns his head around and looks at the bench and doesn't say an awful lot in terms of uh, attacking options to, to bring on, which is a bit of an issue. Because, yeah, Gabby, I guess what we're looking at at the moment is the start has been excellent. That's unquestionable. Now, this is a better start than any Villa fan could, could have hoped for, Any probably any Villa player, anyone at the club could have hoped for as well. You look at the games they've won, but then you look at those three that they've lost at home. And as, as a football fan, you're always going to have that thing off. Like, it, could, it could have been more. It could have been more. So do, do you get that a little bit? As spoiled as we are and as well as we're doing, there is that element of frustration as well because of the three turns we've lost to. Yeah, you definitely get that frustration, but then you might have the same for Liverpool fans might be out there thinking, okay, we can beat these teams, but we lost to Villa, who we should have been beating comfortably. So all the teams in the Premier League are going to have the same same problems and um, the same frustrations. But I just feel like certain games with this Aston Villa team will suit Aston Villa. When Aston Villa, even, even when they go to Chelsea around Christmas, Chelsea away, it wouldn't surprise me to come out with a win because... They're going to play um, more defensive and play in a counter-attack. And Chelsea yeah. um, will come and leave gaps. But all I want to see from Villa is maybe a plan B, like you said, for the games. If it's not going right at half-time, is there a big, bold change from Dean Smith? Of, you know what? It's not working, this. I'm going to put Grealish in behind Wesley. I'm going to put Watkins to the left. Or I'm going to change formation and play a diamond where... Um, Watkins and Wesley pair strikers who greedish in behind as a free roll. You know, just try and switch it up a bit of mm-hmm. like, like you say, it's a plan B because some of the games I'm seeing and we're putting in cross crosses and no offence to Watkins, he's not going to win no. some of these headers against giant defenders. I've been there 
and you, you've got you haven't got a hope with some of the defenders you're playing against, then we're getting a lot of crosses in. And you just look at the games, maybe could Grealish playing behind him. Some games where it's looking frustrating, where he's getting doubled up on the wing. So I think there is a need for a plan B. But as frustrating as some of the results have been, you know, you've got to look at where Villa have come. They've, they've had a lot of new players that have started this, this season really good. And I think the Villa fans have got to keep with them. And yeah. that's why it's frustrating for me when I see Villa fans moan when you lose certain games because... This this Villa team will go will probably go and beat Manchester United. Will probably go and beat Spurs, but then they might lose to Newcastle. Do you know what I mean? It's football. Yeah. The guaranteed games aren't the ones that you're always going to win. Yeah, I mean we've got we've got to talk about it. I don't want to because I've probably actually only just calmed down about it. But the, the penalty at the end, we've we very nearly got away with it. Very nearly got that penalty given. Just what did you make of all that, Gabba? I think when when it first happened, I was like. Mm, 50-50, but then I look at it again and I think, well, what's the difference between that and the Fernandes penalty at Villa Park last season? No, it's difference. worse than that. Well, was it, yeah. That's what I mean. There's no difference. There's no, yeah. there's no consistency of, yes, he might have got the ball first, but he got the man afterwards. So is there a difference in sliding and actually getting the ball and taking the man out full force? Is that different to taking the ball first and only touching the man a little bit. For me, there's just got to be a rule and there's got to be no difference in how the tackle was made. So you look at other penalties on that weekend and there were a lot similar where some were given, some weren't. And the frustrating thing for me is that that's the difference between a point when yeah. in the game, Villa probably deserved the point. So it's really frustrating. And um, it's just annoying because it's another referee in the VAR centre having his decision. When the referee that's seen it give it, it's just, it's honestly, it's so um, frustrating to talk about all the time. It's one of them ones as well, isn't it, where I've, we've seen very, very similar penalties like that given for, for Salah, for example, Fernandez. When you were playing as well, did you ever get the feeling that the, the big teams, they're the ones that get the decisions and we, we weren't getting decisions because we were Villa? I know we're against Brian, so it doesn't really work, but do you know what I mean? Yeah, I used to laugh with John Terry sometimes because... If you ever watch Villa vs Chelsea, John JT would run from his own half to come and like ha- hammer the referee for a decision and then get it. So like yeah, yeah. the top clubs used to get it. Manchester United when I got took out from Vidic and it's a yeah. yellow, oh. it's a guaranteed red card. So it always happened over my career and it very it got very frustrating. And I think that's what's happening now. Um, you look at the West Brom incident on the weekend. Yeah. That's a guaranteed penalty, but it's it's not given because it's Manchester United and it's frustrating in football and I don't think you'll ever change, to be honest. And it will get worse when there's fans in the stadium because mm. a full Old Trafford is going to get a decision rather than an empty Old Trafford. Yeah, I mean, you made me laugh there with the John Terry thing. I was just thinking back to a game at Stamford Bridge. I think we lost 2-1 under Lambert and John Terry was basically in goal. In the last minute, I think, I don't know if you remember it, he like handballed yeah, it about yeah. three times and no, no penalties given. Well, I want to touch on um, the Trezeguet thing that I says. I think what, what I said, uh, yeah. I said, but it was just a bit frustrating for me when, like, in a game like that, in a Premier League game, you you can't miss them chances. You know, like, the left-footed shot. I understand if it was, like, a tough shot and he, he gets a shot off and he misses. But for me, you got to take them chances in the Premier League. And that's a difference sometimes between a win, a loss, or a point. And maybe I should have worded it differently, you know, maybe said Trezeguet's got to do better there. But I'm new to this Twitter thing, do you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure what I'm writing sometimes. <laughs> but 
I've always said though, when I'm when I'm doing punditry, I'll never be like jokers like Stan Collymore who are like um, will hammer Villa players. I'm never going to be that guy because I've been through it from people like that, people like ex players that have hammered the team, and I've been on the um, receiving end of it, and it's not nice. It affects the players. It um, it makes the players. Because players will look at social media after games, believe it or not, they will look, they will see yeah. the trending on Twitter, they will see what comments have been made for them. So it's not nice, and I'll never be that pundit that ever hammers my team. So even if Villa lose 4-0, I'll try and get the good parts out of it and say, could we do better there? Unlucky. I'm never going to be that Stan Collymore that used to hammer um, Villa back in the day. So I do apologise to Trezeguet, and maybe I could have worded it better. I guess it's just when you when you write a tweet for someone like you as well, you write something and it's out there. And even if you were to get rid of it, you didn't mean it like that. People are screenshot it, it's still there. So I guess, yeah. I think it's, it's one me, of them, isn't it? It's a bit frustrating because Trezeguet's got the attributes to be like a great, great player. I mean, you look at his game and he's got the most energy in the team. He works his socks off defensively. He's always tracking back. He can take players on. But then for me, it's like the final third. It's like he gets in there and it's the wrong cross. When he when he could pull it back, he crosses it. Yeah. Then he might be erratic shot and that finish with the left foot. So it was a bit of frustration for me of being a Villa fan of like, if he just tidies up them parts of his game, he could be an outstanding player. And I think most Villa, Villa fans would agree. And even Dean Smith would probably agree that maybe that's yeah. something that they're working on with him. I think he's I mean, been probably our our best player this season. I think, as Gabby says, I do think he's sometimes misses that that end product. But his work rate's been absolutely outstanding, and even his build, he, he seems to have refilled out. He seems to be, you know, he's a he's a big unit. Composure, just like that. Composure. Way to, get to that next level is if you've got another player on the wing who can get goals as well and assists. Mm. That's all I see from Trezeguet. He can just up his game, tidy it up a little bit. He's going to get so many chances because everyone's going to rush over to Jack and try mm. and Jack. So yeah. if I was in that team, I'd be like, all right, I'm going to get a lot of space now. If I could just tidy up my finishing, I could score um, 10 Premier League goals easily. Yeah. Yeah, because he's finished. I mean, he popped up with a few goals towards the end of the season that. that kept us up ultimately but so far this season he hasn't scored a goal and to be fair he's probably had chances in, in every game there's a few games we've walked away from and probably yeah. said oh on another, on another day Trezeguet gets two or three but obviously we've won most weeks so it hasn't really been well, picked up Villa fans can't be saying that like okay he works hard it's not about working hard you, you, you don't want hard workers in your team if they're not um, creating goals you look at Arsenal Arsenal got Lacazette he works hard but he's not scored all season so mm-hmm. I think their fans are asking for Ozil to come back because he might not work hard, but he might get assists. So football's not about how hard you work. It's about um, assists and goals, isn't it? It's not a, a hard-working like, competition. So when you hear Villa fans say that, it's not about that because when Andy Vyman used to work hard, all you like, used to, all Villa fans used to hammer him. Oh, he only mm. works hard. He's this, he's that. Get rid of him. Do you know what I mean? And like... That's the thing for me. Yeah, it's good to work hard, but you want the finishing and the assists. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Ben Teco was probably the hardest worker when, when you played with him, but at the end of the day, he'd get 20 goals a season, wouldn't he? Exactly. I think you, you, you'd rather Trezeguet didn't run back as much and put away his chances 
you'd be more happy, wouldn't you? Let Louise yeah. again, the midfielders do that running. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, the West Ham game now. I mean, to be fair, I thought West Ham would be down the bottom at the, at the start of the season. Gabby, are you, are you surprised at the start they've had? They've, they've started well. I think with West Ham, they've got a formation which suits them and the players they've got, especially when Antonio's fit. Let's just frustrate teams. They'll do this to Aston Villa. They'll play their um, five at the back, probably. Two midfielders of Zuchek and Rice. Leave no gaps for um, Jack to cut in, on, cut in on. No space in behind for Watkins to run into. And they'll, they'll frustrate Villa. And that's the formation that's getting them joy. And I think when Antonio's fit and Bowen and then four miles, they've got them players that can play on the counter-attack. They're a bit like Villa. When Villa want to play on the counter-attack, they're dangerous. So West Ham. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see what tactics Dean Smith um, results to this game because if it was me, I'd be like, I'm not going to um, work into their hands. Why not let West Ham come onto us because they're at home rather than go onto them and they counter-attack us because if Antonio's fit, is a big danger. And I think that's what they've got. They've got a way of playing and they're not bothered about teams having possession. They'll let you have it and win the game. No, very, very David Moyes. To be fair, Moyes used to be like that at Everton and they were an effective team. Their team was up there with Villa challenging for the, for the top six at the time. We were really good under Martin O'Neill. Dolan, obviously we've won every away game so far and I think the last game before Arsenal away from home, we called it and we said it'll suit Villa because we get to play on the break. But this is going to, again, like Gabby says, we're going to have to show something different because I don't mm-hmm. think we're going to be able to do that. It'll be a bit like a home game in some ways. Yeah, I mean, I rate West Ham. Um, I said that last week in the WhatsApp. I think they've got a really good squad. Um, but I think that that I think that pitch, I think it suits us. It's wide, it's expansive. Um, you know, I don't think West Ham are as good at home as they are away. And I think we're better away than we are at home. Um, I think now with, these, with the nine days since Brighton, um, we'll rest up. Uh, I think we'll be recharged. Um, and I think we'll give them a good game, and I, I fancy us. I do fancy us. But um, no, I mean, listen, respect the boys and, and West Ham. They've had a tough, tough preseason, and there was a lot of um, unrest around West Ham. But um, like I say, I think uh, I think they've got a really, really good squad. And you look at people like Ben Rama, Bowen, Antonio, Haller looks like he's finding a bit of form. Uh, Suchek's been quality um, from the end of last season. Um, their keeper Fabianski is always pretty consistent. So. Um, Listen, if we can keep a few of their players quiet, um, Jack has a Jack has a, a nine out of ten game, then I think we're uh, well with the uh, you know in with the show. Yeah, and Gabby, do you know who scored the, the winner the last time Villa won away at West Ham? Um, Julian Jojim. <laughs> nah, nah, you know who it is. I can tell by your, I, I can tell by your face. You know, do you know who he was? Do you, do you remember that game? It was like a really important win at the time. I was speaking to Dolan about it earlier. Like we had to win that game, really. Yeah. Wasn't it one to get us out of the relegation battle on the Julio? Was wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah the header. I yeah. remember like it was a frustrating time for me. I wasn't playing much that season because um, Darren Bent came in, didn't he? Yeah, um, yeah, I remember that game. Tough place to go up to Park. Really tough place. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're going to come on to it, to your career now. We're going to talk about you. Hope, hopefully that's OK, because that's pretty much all I've got left planned for, for the show. But just how much pride do you look back with, with, with your career? Obviously, you played for England a few times. You're the Villa's Premier League record goal scorer. Just just how much pride do you look back on your time at Villa? I think that the, the biggest thing that makes me proud is when I look back um, to being a kid and, you know, being um, playing for Great Ball Falcons, the local um, Sunday league team and never getting scouted, then 
because I was one of the better players in school, I got scouted for the district, played in the district, scored a hat-trick, got scouted in a district game for Villa, scored a hat-trick on my first Villa game on trial against Crew Alexander away, and then they signed me straight away. And I just think it was more all the doubters you had at school and everyone used to say at school, you're never going to make it. No one makes it as a footballer. Teachers, no one ever makes it. So I think it's more that to, 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 to even have played one Premier League game, I would have been happy with. You yeah. know, like to, to sort of like show people that you can make it when people don't want you to and the haters who, who say you can't, you can. And um, yeah, I think just to go on from that, being around... Lee Hendry, Gareth Barry, Juan Pablo and Gal Darius for sale as a teenager and being in awe of them and, you know, cleaning their boots. And then just to go on and play so many games and break records and become the all-time goal scorer, be up there with appearances, is something that I never thought would happen, especially when I went on loan to Sheffield Wednesday and Watford and I couldn't hit a barn door on loan, couldn't even score. I was playing reserve team football at Sheffield Wednesday. So to come from all that and get my chance and then take it, yeah, like such a proud um, memory and um, some good times. Was there ever like a time where you thought, this is, well, can you remember the time when you thought, right, I'm a Premier League footballer, I belong here, this, this is my playground? I think, you know, it was um, not even the first season I made my debut um, under O'Leary. I think I made a handful of appearances. It was a season afterwards when Martin O'Neill came in. Yeah. And I remember my debut... Um, home goal first Charlton from a Gareth Barry pass and I um, side footed it in on the volley and I yeah, saw I remember it. Like, you yeah, know that's, that's, that's probably my favourite goal you scored actually it's an absolute yeah. finish that absolute stunning well, finish I felt like then that like the team was built around me sort of like I was on the right Luke Moore on the left and Gallon in the, um, on the as a striker and I just felt that like at that time Martin O'Neill was going to play me no matter what he loved pace he loved young players and there was always going to be a spot for me in the team and playing that season, carry on playing and learning more and more. I started to feel like a Premier League player, even when we played Chelsea away and um, playing against Ashley Cole and running up and down against him and having battles. It was like, this is what it's all about. This is what you dream of as a kid, watching Arsenal as a kid and seeing Ashley Cole playing and now you're playing against him. So I definitely think that first season, I sort of knew that like this was where I was meant to be. And it was such a good time under Martin O'Neill as well. I mean, to be fair, it probably hasn't got better than that since for Villa. But just what was that that time like? Because as you say, everything was geared around you. You you got in the England squad. You're playing up front with someone like John Carew. It must have just been an amazing time. You know what it was for me as well? It was the way I was improving year by year. The more I played against Premier League players, the more I practiced, the more I got better. When I first broke into that Villa team, I wasn't comfortable shooting my left foot. I wasn't comfortable mm. heading. I wasn't comfortable dribbling. I'm not going to lie. I was basically a sprinter who could um, score the odd goal. But when you're in the Premier League, you've got to up your game. You can't just be that sprinter who he can't dribble, he can't chop, he can't shoot with his left foot. So I had to practice year on, year, week in, week out, year, year after year to shoot my left foot. I think I ended up scoring like a third of my goals in my left foot because I practiced it and it was comfortable. I didn't ever think to myself in an incident, all right, I've got to put it onto my right foot here. I'd always shoot with my left foot because I'd feel comfortable, even from long range. So it was more that every Premier League game I played, I got better and better by practising and playing with Premier League quality. And I just think at that time, 
Martin loved me. I was me and Asher Young were like his teachers' pets. The team was built around us. We were playing every game. There were games when Marlon Harewood would come on for me and score, but I knew I was playing the next game. He would do it again. I wouldn't score for ten games. I know I'm playing the eleventh game because Martin loved me, and he knew that I'd come good eventually, even if I went through a barren spell. And I think that's important in managers that even when your striker is not scoring, for instance, if Watkins didn't score for ten games. He deserves for what he's done so far to keep playing because you know he's going to try his best. You know he's got the quality to score the goals. And that's what you need as a player. Don't just pick me when I'm at my best. And that's what I think Martin done well with his team. I tell you what, as well, you did well to be teachers pet with uh, people like James Milner and Gareth Barry there because they, they got a bit of a, a bit of a reputation for that kind of thing. I just want to ask you a bit about England because obviously you've you've done a bit of stuff to death. You, you're always talking about Villa, but yeah. do you ever have regrets that you didn't get did get more caps? I don't know whether I'm remembering this right, but I feel like every time you'd get called up, you'd have have an injury or something would happen. Is is that fair? That I think that. No, 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 no. You're right. Um, when I first got into the England squad, I I liked the fact of playing for England, but I didn't like the atmosphere at England squads. It was a bit clicky. Yeah. You had uh, the, the Man United players sat there. You had the Chelsea players there. You had these players there. Then you had the Villa Middlesbrough on the end. Do you know, like it's not like it is now. Now it's like everyone's equal. When I was in England squads, it was with the, the, the best players that England have ever had, probably. The Beckhams, mm. the Gerrards, the Rooney's, the, you know, the top, top elite players. The um, the golden generation, they call it, don't they? And I just didn't enjoy it, to be honest. I felt like yeah. I was playing every game for Aston Villa, um, sometimes tired from playing every game. You're talking like 50 sprints a game. And then to go away for 10 days with your country, and sometimes you wasn't even guaranteed to come on. At that time, England had Rooney... They had um, Darren Bent, Carlton Cole, Emil Heskey, um, Peter Crouch, Jermaine Defoe. Do you know what I mean? So I was going away and training hard, doing this and that, sometimes not getting in, in, in any minutes. So some of the squads afterwards, I was like, I'm not going. I'm, I'm pulling oh, out. Really? I'm speaking to Martin O'Neill and I'm like, I'm not going. I'm like, I'm sick of going and not getting the minutes for England. And I could be at Aston Villa, you know, Rem wrapped in cotton wool and um, ready for the next important games and we're fighting for the top four rather than going away in hard old school Italian sessions where they're running the, the death of you and it was a bit more like club before country for me at that time and I think if if I didn't leave squads I probably would have got 16 to 17 caps because I think I was in nearly 20 squads but only three caps because I did leave for them reasons that's interesting that you talk about that. I remember one game that you had. You played played against Germany, didn't, didn't you? Yeah. You started against Germany, and I think we won. As well, I think Curtis Davis was actually on the bench that that day as well. What was that like to play against Germany? It was quite funny because at the time it was. Um, I remember we'd done the video before the game, and I heard all the players talking. I think it was like Carlton Cole or Darren Bent at the time. One of them was so confident they were going to start, and when <laughs> Capella named the team. It was like, I bon Lavoe. And I was like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm playing against Germany. <laughs> and there was still the rivalry back then. Don't forget. Yeah. Nine, ten, whatever it was. Like, England and Germany didn't like each other. So I was like, away from home, like a black, like, I don't know, like a dark stadium it was. I just remember it of, like, first game I was ever nervous for. It was like, you're playing the enemy here. Like, you can't lose against the enemy. Like, everyone who's English is going to be watching this game thinking... 
this is England versus Germany. They're our rivals. I also remember the game, making a few runs, getting the odd chance. And yeah, the game went quite well, to be fair. And then we won the game. But that was the first time I've been nervous. Really? Yeah, I, can't, I don't see you as being a, a guy who gets nervous at, at games. What about cup, cup finals? No, I was never nervous for anything like that. It was only because it was the arch rivals. It's like, I don't know. Maybe when Scotland play England in the Euros and you play for Scotland, you might be like, you know what, we're playing England. These are our rivals. We can't lose this game. Do you know what I mean? I think it was more yeah. that of like, that, like you know, everyone in England's watching the game and you can't lose. Similar to a Birmingham City game, you can't lose. Mm. It was like that for me. And that feeling of like being given the opportunity with so many great strikers at that time. Um, yeah, and a bit of shock as well because it was only two hours before the game where I got told. Yeah, I was, I was going to say as well, obviously, talking about the Derby games, you had no need to get nervous for those games because, to be fair, you only had to look at a, a, Birmingham, a ball against Birmingham City and it ended up in the back of the net. Yeah, I think like, like, even when I talk about these goals, I could talk about them when I'm 70, 80, and it'll be the same. Like, There's no better feeling. And you can ask Jack the same one day if you get to speak to him. Like That feeling of that goal going in. Because what you got to understand, especially when you play at St Andrews, the abuse that you get especially not the first game, the second game at St. Andrews, because they knew what I'd done the first game and they knew about me. The second goal that I scored at St. Andrews, it was like, they know who I am, they hate me. So even in the warm-up, your mum's a whore, this and that, I'll kill you, this and that. So you're getting all sorts of abuse. The stadium's close in, inside you. Yeah. It's like you're in the Coliseum on, in yeah. Gladiator and you're, you're, on a, you're at a war. When you go in the changing room, you can hear the fans in the changing room. The changing room is right underneath the Villa fans at St. Andrews. So you can hear the Villa fans singing songs, the Blues fans singing songs. It's such an electric atmosphere. So any player who can't get up for that game is in the wrong sport. So for me, I could have run like 20 kilometers in that game. The adrenaline going through you. And to score that goal and the second one, especially in the same part of the pitch, that adrenaline is crazy. I can't even describe it. It's like madness. And that will be the best goals I've scored in my career because they're at the Blues ground and you know you're upsetting 20-odd thousand people. You're ruining their day, their week, their year. Yeah, obviously you're a Villa fan, Gabby, so you'd have known all about the rivalry. But I guess when you when you played at St Andrews for the first time, did you have any idea what it was going to be like? Was it a shock to you at all? Or was it just exactly what you expected? Or was it well, far more? Uh, it was far more. Far more. I mean, I, I grew up with the Dion Dublin headboard, the Lee oh, head yeah. scraps on the pitch. That sort of made me think, whoa, this is what it's about, watching them games. But when you get there, it's like you get the ball, you're getting smashed, you're getting studs on the back of your legs, you're getting elbowed off the ball, you're getting all this, you, you, you fall off the pitch a bit, you've got fans in your face throwing coins at you, saying anything they want to you. So it just brings out that the men, the, 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 the men in the men that are playing, if that makes sense, the manly in you. And like, it was mad. Honestly, if I could live back, if I could come out of retirement now to play one game against them for any team, I'd do it at St. Andrews with a full set of fans because I think even though I'm older now, I'd still have that adrenaline to go and score against them because that feeling, honestly, it's nothing that you can ever try and like do again. Even goals are scored in big games like Man United away. Arsenal away, nothing comes close. Even Villa Park goals against Blues, nothing comes close. Gabby, I mean, can I ask? Um, sorry, can I ask what? Sorry. 
you think, you know, obviously we saw what happened last time we went there and, and what happened with Jack. How do you think you would have dealt with something like that? Because, you know, um, for all the rivalry and, and all of the hatred during, obviously, well, even when you played, there was never anything quite like that. Um, how, how would you have dealt with something like that? You know, I know it's hard to really think, but... I think, I mean, I think like, Jack's not that sort of kid, but I would definitely have hit the kid back. Like, that's just me... Being a lad from Erdington, being brought up in Erdington, that's just my nature. When you're attacked, yeah. you, you, you you sort of retaliate. So I'm just glad that that didn't happen in my career because maybe if you retaliated, you might have got sent off. So um, I'm glad the way Jack Riem reacted was the right thing. But even if it was me or even if like it happened to one of my teammates on the pitch, yeah. I think my natural reaction would have seemed red and maybe mm. hit the kid back or got the kid in the headlock. Do you know what I mean? It's just your natural yeah. reaction from um, someone, one of your friends getting hit, isn't it? And you getting hit yourself, you're going to have that sort of um, reaction. Yeah, I mean, we're all sitting here with smiles on our faces talk, talk, talking about the goals. Dolan, which one was your favourite? The three big ones, you'll know what I mean by, by the three big ones, Trailway. Which Gabby goal against Blues was your favourite? Uh, I mean, the, the, I suppose the the header, um, the two headers were obviously equally is, as um, similar, but... I just think that time as a bit of fun was was so special and uh, um, yeah the game whenever Forsell scored in the 60th 65th minute 70th minute and then Gabby then went on um, to net the winner in the 81st from 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 a young Ashley Young cross and uh, yeah probably that one but I suppose the I think it was the fifth against the Blues when we won five five one um, just to rub salt just to really rub salt in the wounds was um, was pretty special but. Um, yeah, but then again, the goal against uh, the goal whenever we won one nil, it was a pretty turgid game, and, and of all the players to come on and score the winner, it, yeah. it had to, it had to be you. So I mean, yeah, that, it was that game, uh, well that game was crazy because I've been I remember being injured. Obviously, Steve Bruce had come back in, and I've been given a chance again after um, the sack of the manager before. I had to get fit. I had to I had an injury, hamstring injury. I come back from that and. I remember being on the bench and I was just watching the game. I was like, this ain't a bit Villa Blues game. No one's getting kicked. No mm. one's getting pushed into the stand. No one's like on the floor. Like, no one's kicking each other. I was like, come on, get me on. Like, to the gaffer. Like, come on, I need to get on this pitch and kick someone. And the first thing I got done when I come on was, um, I think I showed, I remember Craig Gardner was funny because when I ran on, he sort of showed the bar to me. I was laughing to be fair because he's my mate. He's, he's harmless. But I remember, running <laughs> over and, um, I remember running over and shoulder barging shotting, and um, the referee said, "Give me a yellow card." I was like, "Already?" Then I remember shoulder barging David Davis right by the Blues fans into the advertising boards because that got the Villa fans up. Everyone was roaring because I feel like when you're on that pitch in derby games, you're when you're a local lad, you're representing the, the Villa fan in the, in the stand. If you could get them out of the stand and put them on that pitch, they'd do exactly the same as what I did. They don't care. They probably want to win the game, but they want to kick someone. They want to do what Dublin done. They want to do what Lee Henry used to do and get into little squabbles because that's the passion, isn't it? We don't like them. So when you're on the pitch, you've got that chance to do something. That's what you're doing. Just to get that goal at that time after after the the, the bad time like at Villa before that that um that twelve months. And just to, do you know what I mean? Just to even hear the whole and sing your name again after what had happened. And um, yeah, just amazing, really. Yeah, oh, I think that was one of the top ones as well. There's a great picture of Jack actually on the sidelines celebrating 
um, Ackle. I just think it was a, a really, really poignant moment. And uh, it's funny because you sort of ran away from the whole thing. Did, did you know what to do after you scored? Was it like, how did it feel? Was it was it kind of a, a bittersweet in a way? Because I know you were said you, you got a bit of stick off, off the Villa yeah. fans over, over that sort of 12-month period. Was it almost like, well, listen, I can still do this and I'm still here and I'm still... It was a bit, yeah. Of, yeah, it was a bit as well, a bit of sorry. Like, all right, there's a goal. There's my apology for like what yeah. happened. Here's a goal to like give back to you, and yeah. still to 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 have not played against them for so many years, and just just what was going through my mind when I scored was like just how angry they're gonna be that I've done it again. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They probably thought I was finished, but I've come out of nowhere and I've done it again. That was the funniest thing for me at the time. Was like. And even Harry Redknapp after the game saying that, oh, that'll do him for another six months. It was like, <laughs> you'd made him so angry. You'd made them Blues fans so angry. And I just think it was like, sort of like, as people might say, the prodigal son returns and mm. gets that goal and then gets the fans back on side. Yeah, it might pull Robinson angry as well, didn't he? Smash James Chester in the, Chester, in the yeah, face yeah. after you scored. I remember that game. I remember that game so well because it was a shit season. The game was shit. And I remember you coming on. And I remember like everyone was kind of looking at, at each other in the whole end, but it was like, nah, he's, he's not he's not gonna do it again. It yeah, just, it just can't happen again. And then for, for it to happen, like the scenes in the whole end were just unbelievable. Everyone on on top of each other. And as I say, it was just shit season. After the game finished, what song was it now? Was it the Oasis song that comes on? Don't look back yeah, anger. Yeah, yeah, don't that look back that song come on and it just felt like you know it's like an emotional moment when that song came on. I remember hugging Jack and clapping the whole end. And I don't think you realise as fans sometimes, when you're on that pitch and you're, you're a Villa fan and you love the club, to get a goal in that game, it's like there's no better feeling. I scored a lot of goals for Villa in different competitions, but when you score in that game, it's something special because you know that you're sending Villa fans to work on a Monday morning, happy mm. with their Blue Nose workmates. Do you know what I mean? You've got bragging rights for every Villa fan across the world. How does it feel to have kind of like passed the baton on to, to Jack? Because I think you came on for him actually in that game, and then and then since then he's he's terrorised them, and it's like every every time it's the one if they could choose one player not to score against them, it would have been you. Yeah. And then you kind of pass that over to Jack now, and it's exactly the same, and he's scoring goals against them as well. Yeah, I think sometimes like as well, what fans don't realise is when you give players abuse, it makes them want to score more. Villa fans do it to Troy Deeney and he scores against us. Yeah. We have to learn that when you give players abuse, they want to score against you more and they will. It's something that's ticks in your head like, all right, they're calling my family this for me. Yeah? They're calling me this. All right, I'm scoring. And I'm going to have to find or say. And I think with Jack, that happened. The, the fan ran on and tried to punch him. Pathetic punch that he even missed anyway. But Jack's in his head body for, all right, I'm not going to react to that. I'm going to go and score the winner. And in his mind, he probably thought, whatever happens, I'm scoring in this game. And that's all similar to me. Just He just gives you that extra enthusiasm to score. And he'll go on to score against them, I'm sure, um, for, even if we get him in the cup, because they're not going to come to the Premier League. So, <laughs> I was waiting for that. I'm sure he'll keep scoring against them. I was going to say, it might be a while before we play him in the league. Well, fingers crossed it is anyway, because I don't want to be going back to the Championship. That, that's for absolute certain, because I think that's the only way we will be playing him in the yeah. league. Just before we let you go, Gab, because we've taken up so much of your time and we really appreciate you coming on. just want to talk about when, when you left a little bit, because it felt like you started that season, the, the season, your last season, your pre-season, you were scoring goals, you won that absolutely ridiculous Cup of Traditions that was like probably bigger than you at the, at the time. You, you had a good, really good pre-season, you scored on the first game of the season, but then just injuries, 
injuries just really set you back, didn't they, towards the end? Listen, like, I've said this a lot of times. I, I was going through like ridiculous pain all pre-season to keep up with the boys. I remember Steve Bruce was buzzing because I'd done a pre-pre-season in Portugal. So um, early June, there was a few of us that done a pre-pre-season. I was at the best weight. I was in the best condition. But even that and then pre-season, like, my legs just weren't the same. Like Honestly, like, I've never felt it before in my career. I was after training. My legs were in bits like I played a game. And sometimes you, I remember being a 20-year-old and saying it to um, some of the senior players and you don't think it's going to happen to you, but sometimes it happens overnight at different different ages for different players, and your legs just let you down. I remember I scored that goal against Hull, but most of the game I couldn't run, I couldn't repetitive sprint, I couldn't keep sprinting like I'd done all my career. Do you know what I mean? I feel like mm. it's sort of like your powers are going. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like yeah. Season, I kept getting hamstring injuries, calf injuries, and even when I got fit, I was like training hard with the other team and then the next day I couldn't train properly because my legs were like so heavy and so like um um felt like I couldn't get injured at any second and I think that season sort of trickled out really of like um yeah me me not really playing because Keenan Davis come in didn't he and done well and um I'll never hold anything against Steve Root because he brought me out from the cold but I just wasn't the same player. It's like when players probably come out of retirement for a year and they're not the same boxer or they're not the same, do you know what I mean? Same runner. Yeah. That It was just sad at that time that the Gabby Bonahor that everyone knew was not there anymore. The pace wasn't there. And um, to be able to sprint um, like I could in my um, prime, I mean, I think everyone will remember me in my prime as running the channels every second. I just couldn't get there. And that's yeah. as simple as that. And that's something that after that season, that's why I retired because I thought to myself, the career that I've had, do I want to go down the leagues, end up at Walsall? Do you know what I mean? I didn't want to leave mm. my my, um, my career in that way. I thought to myself, like I've been clever financially, um, as much as I love football, I'm not going to go down the leagues. And um, something that I said to myself, I'll never do. Yeah, so you're doing your punditry at the moment and obviously doing very well at it. You've, you've done some coaching badges as well. You actually did your, some of your badges with Tommy Johnson, didn't you? I was speaking to him the other day. He said he did, he did some of his badges with you. Is that is that what you want to do? Do you think long-term coaching? I think for me, punditry, I'm enjoying it at the moment. But I think long-term coaching, I just feel that if there's a chance for me to go into Aston Villa and help the likes of Jacob Ramsey, help some under-16s, show them what it takes to get to the Premier League, show them who what you need to do to, to play for Aston Villa and be successful. Just try and give something back. And I think I've had talks with Aston Villa um, recently about coming back. And even come, I've even said to them, I'd come back for free of charge, not even ask for a penny, to come and try and um, help the players now and sort of like mould them into what it takes to be Aston Villa players. I think that's something that I'd get joy out of and um, something that hopefully happens in the future. Is it with coaching? Is it like you you only obviously ever wanted to play for Villa? You probably could have gone elsewhere at certain points and didn't want to. You always wanted to be a Villa boy. Is it the same with coaching? Do you think you'd only go to Villa or do you think you'd broaden your horizons a little bit with the coaching? I'll definitely broaden my horizons. But I think with coaching, you have to be 100% on it. You can't be going and doing a team and be like, I don't want to do it today. You know, like Champions League's on. I want to watch that. So you have to be on it. You have to be like, these kids are relying on you. 
you've got to be 100% on it where you want to go in every day and you can't be like trying to dodge it. So it's something that you have to go in at the right time. At the moment, I'm enjoying the punditry and bits and bobs I'm doing with the punditry. So maybe in the next year is a time where I have to make a choice. Do I carry on with the punditry and um, or do I stop the punditry and go into the coaching? Because coaching is definitely something that I want to do, but it's a harder route to take as well. Mm. Because you got, yeah. I'll give you a chance. Just because you had a great career doesn't mean you're gonna be a great coach or get the chances. And I feel like you need to be given a chance somewhere. So we'll see what happens. I'm like a couple of months away from completing the UEFA A. So once I complete that, maybe um, Aston Villa is where it starts. We'll see. I believe Gabby, you were over, you were over in Belfast doing your badges. What did you make of Belfast? Any any good nights out? Everyone just loves drinking. What's 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 wrong with them? <laughs> I can believe it. I'm trying to like coach and like do my sessions in the evening. All the lads are like, let's go. We're going into um, Belfast. It was like let's there was a yeah, yeah, yeah. up where everyone goes to. And I remember going there and like, I'm not quite used to that um, Irish way, but I'm standing by the bar with Chris Samba and a random woman will come and grab me and start doing like Irish dancing with me. I'm thinking like, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't happen in England. You don't get strangers just grab you and start dancing. But that's just the way it is in Ireland. And yeah. I just started dancing with her. And then even random men were buying me drinks. It's just a happy sort of place, isn't it, Ireland, where everyone's happy. They finish work. They go out. They want to drink. They'll buy randoms drink. They'll speak to randoms. And just, um, just an amazing experience, really, because in England, people can be moody, but it's the total opposite in Ireland. A happy bunch of people. We all are laughing. I tell you what, that sounds great at the moment, especially at the, at the moment with all the lockdown and the tears and whatever. That sounds like a great place. Wake up in the morning and put a session on when you're hungover no. from. No. <laughs> I'm sure you've been to training with a hangover before, Gabby. So I'm sure yeah. you'd have a, you had a few experiences of it. Yeah. Cool. Just before we go, we just need to say that Luke Roper at the moment are doing 25% off their Black Friday deal. So make sure you're checking out their website, and we are going to have a giveaway on Instagram as well. I'm hoping it's going to flash up on the screen because I'm going to be honest, I've got absolutely no clue what it is. There we go. Johnny May shirt. So yeah, if you head over to our Instagram after this show, we'll be telling you how you can win yourself a Luke Roper Johnny May shirt. So yeah, all that's left to do is thank Gabby for coming on. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks, Gabby. To Appreciate talk it, to you. Sorry for uh, hassling you for a couple of weeks to come no on. Problem, and just... No problem. <laughs> And sorry about the, the tech as well, because that was a bit of a pain getting on. But we've got through it. And Gabby, as I say, it's been an absolute pleasure. Big smile on my face talking about those goals. And hopefully we'll speak to you again soon. Yeah. Anytime, guys. Look after yourselves. Cheers, Gabby. Nice right. one. Thank Cheers, you. Gabby. Up the villa. Up the villa, lads. Sports Social Podcast Network.